It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Christmas Eve Eve gave us perhaps the game of the season so far with FAU and Arizona going into double overtime in Las Vegas and the Owls snagging the program's biggest ever regular season victory. Have Dusty May and company quieted the haters. You are locked on college basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, folks? Happy Boxing Day and welcome in to the Lockdown College Basketball Podcast, the only daily national college hoop show out there, part, of course, of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. We are your co-hosts. I'm Andy Patton. He is Isaac Shade, still rocking some Christmas gear there with the lights. For those of you checking out the show on YouTube, uh, we got a fantastic one for you today. I wanted to first, before we get into the content, we're going to talk about that FAU game. We're going to talk about the Big East and some wonkiness there. We're going to talk about a couple of uh, traditional powerhouse programs that are not doing so hot this year (laughs) in Louisville and UCLA. Before we get into that, though, I want to shout out the ability to vote for us in the Sports Podcast Awards. We were incredibly honored to be nominated in the Best Basketball Podcast category uh, through the Sports Podcast Awards for this season. Uh, we're the only college basketball show on the list, so if you are a lover of college basketball, lover of the Lockdown Podcast, please go give us a vote. It would mean the world to us. We will have a link available in the show notes. And Isaac, It is not only Boxing Day. It is not only the day after Christmas. It is Trivia Tuesday. I'm going to hit you up with a trivia question here. We will answer this question at the end of the show. So for folks waiting to hear the answer, we will get to it at the end. Isaac, here is the question. Christmas Day on 2022 featured the most watched college basketball game in Fox Sports' history. Mm. Who were the two teams that squared off? Okay. Think on that. Okay. You think we'll get back to it at the very end of the show. But first, want to get into the biggest game that we probably are going to see for a while, as there are not a lot of games going on this week (laughs) as teams are out on Christmas break. But we were treated to an absolute doozy in Las Vegas on the 23rd. Florida Atlantic University, the Owls, taking on Arizona. They win in double overtime, 96 to 95. And one of the biggest storylines throughout this season, Isaac, has been what to do with FAU. This team that was an eight seed last year, they go all the way to the final four. They have a tremendous run. They are Lamont Butler jump shot away from making the national championship, return basically everybody from that roster. Dusty May, one of the best young up and coming coaches in the country. And people are like, what do we do? with this team are they truly a top 25 team top 15 team top 10 team coming into the next season just on the basis of that strong run in march how are they going to do against you know more premier opponents in the non-conference i had that early season loss to bryant and people started to get a little concerned like hey maybe this was a bit of a flash in the pan that is a lot of the kind of default assumption people make about these these final four runs and in many cases you know george mason and vcu and a handful of others it does kind of end up being the case Not here. Not here. FAU picks up a monster win over Arizona. John L. Davis, absolutely incredible performance from him. Isaac, I think it's pretty safe to say this is the biggest regular season win in this school's history. Would you agree with that? 100%. And it was funny. I was trying to think about it yesterday. Like, would I I say, or on Saturday, I was like, would I say yes? And I was like, wait, this is the only time they've ever beaten a AP mm-hmm. top 10 team in their history in the regular season. Of course, it's the biggest win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Andy, like, 
I, I love this because at the early part of this game, I was trying to work. I was out in my garage. I was working on my water heater, my hot water heater. And yeah, I don't know. Something's going on. <laughs> Great way to spend Christmas. And um, I had this game pulled up on my computer and Arizona rushes out to like this 14 point lead. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, that's about right. Probably the game's in Vegas. It's closer to Arizona than Boca Raton. Mm-hmm. And, um, but goodness, yeah. Andy, then slowly but surely through the first half, FAU steadies themselves. They start fighting back. Like, and that's what it was. They just looked so out of sync early. It was like Arizona just smashed them in the mouth and surprised them, and FAU wasn't settled in. But then they were, and they were slowing down Arizona and, and doing what they needed to. And there were these moments towards the end of the first half where they got it down to four, and then it was like they had a shot for three or two. And I was like, oh, I mean, even if they don't, you know, if they never get over the hump in the second half, at least the fact that they got here is great. And, you know, fought back and battled and showed that they belong in this game. But, Andy, they take an eight-point lead in the second half. They lose it. It goes to overtime. And I'm like, dude, that Bryant loss, you cannot erase it from the schedule, right? Like, that is that is a part of their resume that is going to always be there. It is a stain on the resume. Make no mistake about mm-hmm. it. But the Illinois loss, their only other loss, yeah. more, more than a fair loss, right? Mm-hmm. But what this win does to help try and offset that Bryant loss, dude, Andy, this is unbelievable for Dusty May's team. I mean, we we looked at Arizona in that four-game stretch they had, and we're like, yeah, they'll probably go three and one, might even go four. Arizona ends up going like two and two. Two and two, yeah. Andy, and uh, that, that might even be more shocking. Of course, it was Purdue, a loss, and then Florida Atlantic. But mm-hmm. I, this, to me, just legitimizes – completely what FAU can be. Um, I, I I think we said at the time, look, mm-hmm. until proven otherwise, that Bryant loss is just mm-hmm. a, a one-off, a, a yeah. misnomer, whatever you want to call it, the the exception rather than the rule. And I, Andy, as I look at the truth of it, I don't think they're as bad as Bryant mm-hmm. loss. And I don't think, you know, in a seven-game series, I think mm-hmm. Arizona probably beats them five out of seven. Right. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, and I think, I mean, it's it's interesting because I, I, I'm i going to praise FAU's defensive effort and they gave up 95 points uh, and scored 96. So I think you'd look at that box score and be like, well, shout out to FAU offensively for finding a way to score more points in the Wildcats. But Arizona shot under 39 percent from the field in this game. They shot 28 percent from three. They, they only made seven three pointers on 25 Attempts. Arizona out rebounds FAU significantly, fifty-two to thirty-nine. As you expect. Yeah, as you expect them to do. They have less turnovers. They have twelve turnovers compared to sixteen for FAU. Like a lot of things in the box score point to Arizona should have won this game, but they didn't because John L. Davis went nuclear in the second half of this game and in overtime, and because Arizona missed a lot of shots. And again, I think that's a credit to the defense for FAU. Uh, Umar Balo. Uh, 13 points, 21 rebounds for him. Really nice performance on the glass. Again, you expect that from a guy of his size. He got 21 rebounds, and all you can give him is really nice. Andy, give him a better accolade. (laughs) Fair enough, fair enough. 21 boards is a monster performance from Umar Baller. Is that better? Uh, But he goes 4 of 11. He goes 4 of 11 from the field in a game. I mean, and and that's a a testament to Golden and his defensive abilities for FAU. And I think, you know, Caleb Love had 26 points. He made some big shots. He also went 8 of 25. That's kind of, you know, part of the Caleb love experience boswell 4 of 16 like these guys struggled a little bit offensively i think it's a testament to the the camaraderie 
for uh, Dusty May's team, the defensive instincts, their just ability on that end of the floor to, to have a game plan to help slow down Arizona. Again, it's funny to say that Arizona got slowed down in the game where they scored 95 points, but at the end of the day, FAU had a singular goal, which was score enough points to win, and they did it. And and I to me, Andy, you know, we could say, oh, you know, in in a normal season, that's mm-hmm. not this year. You look at it and say, oh, Arizona lost to FAU. Oh, that's mm-hmm. terrible. And what are they doing? And you look at this, it doesn't really do anything for no. me with Arizona. And no, which I think, again, speaks so much to FAU putting themselves on the map of this season to say, like, Arizona losing a neutral site to FAU in double overtime. I'm, I'm not bothered, but I haven't done my, uh, as we record this, I haven't done my top 25 yet. I don't mm-hmm. think I'm going to drop Arizona all that much, but I think I will probably boost FAU from where, where I had them. So uh, love to see that. Andy, Big East. We look at it and we're like, man, we got these three teams at the top in Creighton, Marquette, and UConn that are just going to blitz their way through this thing. And then, of course, as happens, they all go out and lose their first conference game. So is this a cause for concern long term? Or is it just, hey, that's what happens in Big East play. Are we getting back to the old Big East, Andy? Oh, baby, that'd be exciting. We're going to look at that and talk about it here in just a second. Right after I tell you that this episode of Locked on College Basketball is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers to roof racks, exhaust kits to LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed or power or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or you get your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. eBay Guaranteed Fit only available to U.S. customers. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months, or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Andy, the Big East is off to an absolutely wacky start. And I don't know about you, but I am here for every ounce of it. Right now, the two teams atop the conference, both sitting at 2-0, as we all expected, are Providence and Villanova. Now, preseason, I think we would have expected Villanova to be there. We had them as part of a big four. But I would say, you know, well, we would both say as we've gotten into the season, it's kind of trimmed down to a big three as Villanova obviously won the battle for Atlantis, but has been completely unpredictable since then until winning these two games. And then Providence, you know, I think we expected to be strong, but here they are off to a 2-0 and start. Meanwhile, the three front runners, UConn and Marquette, 
and Creighton all lost their first conference game. UConn lost at Seton Hall. Big congrats to those guys. Way to go. Marquette lost at Providence. We've just been talking about them. Mm -hmm. And then Creighton lost at home to Villanova. So, Andy, obviously, we got to talk about Donovan Klingon's feet. We talked about those Mm -hmm. yesterday. We got to talk about Seton Hall and Providence getting these good wins. Um, But I I think the big picture question I want to ask you is this. Which, if any, of these three terms are we concerned about long-term? As I asked a minute ago, is this a harbinger of long-term issues for these three teams, any of them? Or just like, dude, it's Big East play. What are you going to do? Man, I don't know how people, like, obviously, if you're a fan of a specific team, I get it. But, like, if you're just a college basketball fan and you're trying to pick which games to watch, I don't know how people don't gravitate automatically to whatever Big East game is on. Like, <laughs> at this point, like, and that's not to say the Big East is necessarily the best conference. I think you know, Big 12 is certainly uh, really, really, really powerful this year. But, like, the Big East basketball is so dang fun, dude. Like, I don't know how people aren't always watching whatever, even if it's like Georgetown Butler, like I'm still watching that uh, unless there's like a, I'm, I'm really marquee matchup. This, this conference is, uh, is it the old biggies? Probably not quite. I don't think no. we're there yet necessarily. Um, but in terms of these three teams, I think UConn, it's, it's hard to feel overly concerned about UConn outside of the Klingon injury. That is obviously significant, but assuming he returns and is healthy, uh, this team is going to be really, really dangerous in March. Maybe this, this, the standings in the Big East don't favor them as well as we're hoping. Maybe they lose a few more games. Uh, we talked about it a little bit on Monday's episode. Their schedule uh, throughout the absence of Klingon, assuming it is in that four-week timeline, isn't really devastating. They don't have a, they don't have they're not playing Marquette. They're not playing Providence. I think they only play Villanova once. Uh, they play Creighton once, but it's at home, so they can probably sneak through that okay with maybe only a loss or two. Um, and in terms of Marquette, I'm not as concerned about Marquette in part in terms of this game, because I think Providence is really good. And by the time this has come out, our top 25 rankings have already come out. And I'm going to tell you right now, I have Providence ranked. Uh, I think they're a top 25 team in the country. And I think Kim English has done an absolutely phenomenal yeah, job. Congrats, Kim English. Yeah, really, awesome. really good stuff from him. Devin Carter has been a machine for that team in terms of productivity. Like, I think this is a really, really solid program. Doesn't mean that it's a, a good loss for Marquette necessarily, but a road loss to a team that is kind of in that top 25 conversation, I think is okay. I am more concerned about Creighton. Yep. And Creighton for me, it's the complete, like, inability to know what offense is going to show up like their offense just mystifyingly disappears at times and and in this Villanova game their late game execution was terrible I mean capital T terrible (laughs) Baylor Shireman's missing front ends of one and ones that can tie the game like they're I mean that's inexplicably bad uh, late game execution for, for Creighton to lose this game to Villanova. They're a better team than Villanova. Villanova played really well. I should say Eric Dixon played really well. The rest of Villanova didn't play all that well, but Creighton could not figure out how to stop Dixon and they couldn't get the offense going. Their other losses, I don't think are terrible. Colorado State's a very good team, but they got waxed by Colorado State. UNLV though, they're okay. They're not great. They're fine. They're probably going to be a, a play-in team potentially, or maybe they get an automatic bid, or maybe they get an at-large bid. But like Creighton, no, Hoopman, no, no, no. You know, no. uh, the resume is probably not there right now. The the Mountain West is probably only going to get two or three, and I'm not with with New Mexico, with UN, or with New Mexico, Dude. with Colorado State, San Diego State. Yeah, you're probably right. They've lost to Southern FSU, Richmond, LMU. Oh, and and okay, well, never mind. They're out. Yeah. So that's a bad loss for Creighton. Get out of um, here with that at large. That's a, that's a bad loss for Creighton. That's a bad <laughs> loss for them. Um, 
maybe I'm just trying to boost up St. Mary's resume because I think they beat UNLV. Um, so Creighton concerns me. Creighton concerns me uh, more so than UConn, more so than Marquette. Again, I, I finished my top 25 rankings before we recorded here. Uh, I dropped Creighton quite a bit. Uh, they're, they're still in the top 25, but they're closer to 20 than they are 10. Let's put it that way. And I think that that's I think that's where they are right now because they just haven't shown that consistency. And if you have off nights, every single team in the Big East can beat you. Uh, yeah. Maybe maybe you'd have to have a really off night to lose to DePaul, but for the <laughs> most part, like you could go 500 in the Big East if you're not careful. And Creighton, among these three teams, is is much more likely to do that than the others. Yeah, I think that all makes sense to me, Andy. In terms of like least concerned to most concerned, I would go Marquette, UConn, Creighton. Mm -hmm. um, Marquette, like you said, like Providence, I think mm -hmm. is at this point, we have to say they are a better team than we imagined. I think they're the fourth best team. I mean, over Villanova, I think Ooh. I have them fourth, not, maybe not comfortably, as I think yeah. it's close with Villanova, I, but that's interesting. They're there. I like that. I haven't stopped to think about that, so I don't want to say it off the top of my head, but I like – like that's a real thing that we need to reckon with right now, yeah. Andy. I think that's legit. Yeah. Um, with UConn, I would put them second on that list mm -hmm. of concern, um, but really only because of Donovan Klingon's yeah. injury, right? Like as long as he's okay, they're, they're 1A and 1B in terms of least concerned with Marquette. Let's remember back to last year, Andy – UConn started the season 14 and 0 running mm -hmm. through December 28th and then they lost 6 out of 8. Yeah. That stretched through like New Year's Eve mm -hmm. through uh January 25th. Yeah. And what did they do? Well, they get a four seed and we all know the end result of that. Yeah. Like Marquette, it, it kind of, or uh, UConn, excuse me, it kind of mm -hmm. feels like the second year of Florida's back-to-back -back championships where it's like Dude, they just need to get to the tournament and yeah. be like a four seed or better. And I'm not worried at all. They can do whatever they want to do because they have a track record last year. Knock yourselves out, Huskies. Have fun and we'll see you in March, right? Like that's where I'm at on UConn. But with Creighton, Andy, I'm with you. This is the team of the three that I'm especially because I have them as one of my final four teams preseason. I need you guys to pull through for me so I don't look like an idiot and hop up on cold takes exposed. But you're right. Like in UConn's nine wins, eight of them, Andy, they've scored 80 or more points. And the one that they didn't, they got 79. In the three losses, 48, 64, 66. I mean, it's clear and obvious. Like you said, what happens to this offense? Yeah. It just disappears in a miraculous and wacky and dumb way. So Andy, the Big East, I, I, we're going to be all in on this thing again this year. It's so fun. Great teams, unexpected teams. I love the push that St. John's gave to uh, to UConn on Saturday night. I love how UConn responded. It was a wild game. The Big East, man, it's going to be awesome. Well, we're going to talk about a former Big East team here to close out the show. Some of the biggest brands in college basketball are struggling right now. We're going to talk about why Louisville has not moved on from Coach Kenny Payne. We're also going to talk about what in the heck is going on down in Los Angeles with the UCLA Bruins. All that coming up right after this. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months, or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on, so find your local dealer today 
That's KubotaOrangedays.com. All right, Isaac, closing out the show today, we got the Louisville Cardinals and the UCLA Bruins to discuss. Typically, on a college basketball podcast, if you're talking about Louisville and UCLA, you're talking about two of the, I don't know, 15, 20 best teams in college basketball, two teams competing for a national championship, at least competing for an Elite Eight Final Four. That is 100% not the case for the conversation that we are about to have, my friend, because these two teams are squarely on the struggle bus heading into the 2024 year. Uh, Louisville, we've talked about them a handful of times on the show, but man, it has just been rough for this team coming off that 21-point loss at their home arena to Kentucky. And the thing is about this, like losing to 21 points to Kentucky in your home arena should be like this massive embarrassment for Louisville. Like that's the kind of thing that like should not happen, that should rile up the fan base, that should be remembered for for years and decades and anger. And it was just met with complete apathy. And like when that's the state of affairs for a program as proud as Louisville is, for a program as decorated, like that's, I mean, it's, it's not even, it's just sad. Like it's not like anger inducing or funny. It's just sad. Like this program is in complete shambles right now. Um, a lot of people expected that Kenny Payne would lose his job between this game, which was on the 21st and their next game, which is against Virginia. I believe it is on the third uh, of January. Right. Either way, it's a couple days into January. So there's a long enough gap, but the third is right. Yep. Yeah. All, all accounts right now indicate that the, the staff is, is willing to continue to let Payne be the head coach. Athletic director has come to his defense uh, in recent interviews. We're not really sure why. I think there's the pot. I mean, we, what we do know is that Louisville is still paying Chris Mack. Uh, they're paying him $133,000 a month every month until January of 2025 as part of his buyout. Uh, I think it's possible that the Cardinals just don't have the resources to can pay another coach a buyout and find the kind of coach that they're looking for on the open market, but they have to do something because they're bleeding money right now. I mean, four and 28 last year for this team, they won two games in conference play this year. They're five and seven, which looks a little bit better, I guess. Uh, but they, they have the loss to Arkansas state. They have a loss to DePaul uh, again, got absolutely waxed by, by Kentucky. I mean, they're not even on the same level as that team right now. And I think it's, it's pretty clear that a move needed to be made a while ago certainly needs to be made now uh, at every day that it's not made. This program continues to lose longtime fans, lose donors, lose their place as one of the top basketball brands in college basketball. Andy, it's, it's, just, I mean, that Kentucky game, they won by 21 and they didn't even, I mean, they didn't have to try. Kentucky yeah, looked like, basically looked like they were on autopilot. Were, yeah, Reeves you know? dropped 30 and he, he barely sweat, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's like, oh, what, what's this little water beadlet coming down my brow? Like, right, you know, like that, that's where this thing was mm -hmm. at. And, and I mean, Kenny Payne at this point is 9 and 35. Like, overall, what? Mm -hmm. I just Here's the thing for me, Andy. When I, I start to look at things, I think sometimes people think like, oh, why would you do this to him? He's such a nice guy. It's going to mm -hmm. hurt. Andy, we're at the point, and we see this in business all the time. Mm -hmm. It's not only the best thing for the program, mm -hmm. it's the best thing for Kenny Payne. Yeah, absolutely. At, at this point, it's like, yeah. I feel so bad for him. Mm -hmm. I feel so bad for his family. I yeah. hate that after this, the, the Kentucky-Louisville game, Coach Cal has to come out and defend him. But you yeah. know, internally, 
Coach Cal's like, dude, I feel so bad for yeah. my friend, and I just want to yeah. see good things for him. Mm-hmm. And it, look, there, there are just certain things in life that some of us are not cut out to do, mm-hmm. right? Like I, I could not do certain things, mm-hmm. and and I don't know, you know, maybe it's just this one stop, this one location. But yeah. at this point, it seems to me like, hey, Kenny Payne is a phenomenal assistant basketball yep. coach. Like, mm-hmm. like, there's no bones about that. And sometimes that that's just fine, right? Yeah. Like, and and I think we've tried this experiment, but at this point, it's time to move on. Andy, right now, as we record, Louisville is 262nd in the net. And I know the net, you know, updates and, and comes to terms, but mm-hmm. every one of their five victories is in quad four. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, what what are we doing? Let like poor Kenny Payne. I and I hate kind of having to say it this way, but let's put him out of his misery. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's do it now before we get into ACC play yeah. and allow this thing to go forward and allow, um, you know, those who start having, and I know we're not going to make a move long-term <laughs> till March or April or whenever it is, mm-hmm. but let's, let's have these conversations. Let's get this thing figured out. Well, one of the coaches who has been connected loosely to a potential opening for the Cardinals uh, in terms of the in the quote unquote pipe dream category for Louisville has been Mick Cronin, uh, an alum from the Midwest. He's from Cincinnati. Uh, could he end up being uh, the guy who takes over for the Cardinals? And and one of the reasons that might be a negative uh, outside of you know whether he'd leave the UC, UCLA, leave them as they're heading to the Big Ten, all that is that things aren't really going well for UCLA right now. Uh, UCLA uh, started the season 26th at Ken Palm. They were a borderline top 25 team. They had a lot of uh, young international players with these high expectations that they would step up. Certainly Sebastian Mack, Dylan Andrews is kind of this this dynamic guard room. We knew they lost a ton of talent with Jaime Jaime Jaquez out the door, Tiger Campbell out the door, et cetera, et cetera, Dembona. They were five and two early in the season. Their only losses were at then number four Marquette in Maui and then number 11 Gonzaga also in Maui. And it kind of looked like, all right, this team's, they're in an okay spot. They're five and two. They, they should have beat Marquette. Home. They had that game one. Yeah, they almost beat, they, they lost to Marquette by two. They lost to Gonzaga by four. Like they were in both of those games. And then that was at the end of November. The wheels have just unbelievably come off for this team. They've lost four in a row. They've lost six of their last eight. They lost to Cal State Northridge, who I think is like 230th at Ken Palm. They lost to a a not good Maryland team at home, and Maryland was up by 20 at points in that game. And the simple story for UCLA is this team, they can't score the basketball. I mean, they they just, they're scoring like 60-ish points a game, barely. They can't shoot. They don't have a guy who can just go get a bucket the way that Hawkes could, the way that um, many other players on their team. I mean, obviously, you go back a couple more years, they've had some absolutely phenomenal players, but this team is just, they don't have that those resources. And while there's a lot of apathy around the Louisville program for the way that they have been, uh, it's not really apathy that we're seeing from UCLA, particularly not Mick Cronin. Mick Cronin is just angry. I mean, boy, howdy, is this man angry. His post-game press conferences have been heated. His his halftime conversations are incredibly heated every single time he gets interviewed uh, before you know going into the half. And uh, he's now talking about NIL being an issue at UCLA. And I don't think... I don't think he's wrong about that. I don't love coaches making excuses in the middle of a season. I think it looks kind of lame, if for lack of a better word. Um, I, but I, I suspect that they they didn't add any impact transfers except Lazar Stefanovic, which 
he's fine. He's a fine addition from Utah. Uh, they added a lot of international players, which when teams do that, it's often because that's who they can, for lack of a better word, afford uh, to land uh, in the transfer portal or in the recruiting world. Uh, some of these players are very talented. I think a Mara has the potential to be really good, but he's not that guy right now. He's just not. He's, he has not been that guy uh, so far for this team this season. Uh, John Vide coming off the bench has been inconsistent at times. Like, I just, I don't think this team is it. They don't have the talent. They don't have the horses. They don't have the offense to to be a team that certainly not a top 25 team. If I'm being honest with you, I'm, I don't know that UCLA is an NCAA tournament team. At this point, they're, no. 100, they're 172nd at the net. I mean, that's not even close. That's not even close. But good and, news, Andy, that's up from 173rd. Hey, there we go. So. They're making progress. Now, and, and in the Pac-12, I mean, they have some chances to pick up wins. Obviously, they got Arizona twice. That's huge. They got USC, who also is struggling. They have Colorado, who's fine. Oregon, who's fine. Utah, who's fine. But, like, they have to go nearly undefeated in order to build a resume that looks like an NCAA tournament team. The way they're playing, they're not going to go undefeated in the Pac-12. And if they lose – even 20% of their games in the Pac-12, that's enough that they're not going to be a, big, a team in the big dance. No, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at their schedule on Torvik right now. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So they've got seven quad one opportunities mm-hmm. in Pac-12 play as things sit right now. But, oh, man, Andy, this is this is difficult. They're not going to pick up five of them. They're going to pick up maybe two of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yeah. so, you know, I mean – and with USC not doing well, it's weird. Neither LA school yeah. is performing up to expectations. And so, I mean, and as as an uh, entity, the Pac-12 has now fallen behind the ACC in uh, conference rankings at Ken Palm. And that's with Notre Dame and Louisville just dragging down the whole butt of that conference. So, Andy, this it's, it's difficult to watch, and I hate it. It's not good for college basketball. I want to see both of these programs come back up. Well, Isaac, time to get to the answer for our Trivia Tuesday question here. Uh, As a reminder for those of you listening, the question was, on Christmas Day of 2022, it featured the most watched college basketball game in Fox Sports' history. Who were the two teams that that squared off on Christmas 2022? Okay, I vividly remember that it was the Big East. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Yes. The teams is what I'm struggling with. By the way, this this being the most watched game in like tells us that we should be having games on Christmas Day. Don't 100%. worry about about going up against the NBA, but the mm-hmm. NBA has proven this is a great thing. People want to do it, so let's lean into that. Again, zero Division One games Monday or Tuesday or and just two on Wednesday. So anyway, that's a whole thing for another day. I'm gonna go with. I feel like Seton Hall was one of them. No, dang it! It was one team that we talked about today, uh, and then another team that well, we, we talked to... about a lot of Big East teams That's today. True, anyway. that's um, true. Providence. No, it is uh, the second team is not a team that you would ever expect to be one of the most watched teams in college basketball. Um, um, uh, Villanova. No. Oh my gosh! Uh, Creighton. Creighton is one of them, yes. Yes. And, I mean, there's only 11 total, and I've already guessed about 37 of them. I think it's probably um, the second farthest West team outside of Creighton in the Big East. Oh, man. Creighton and and DePaul. DePaul. Yeah. Creighton and DePaul was the and most yet, watched game was, in Fox Sports' history. Isn't that crazy? Let's get some, We need some big-time games next year on Christmas. That's a good one, Andy. Good trivia question. Thank you. 
All right, folks. Uh, again, happy Boxing Day to all of you. It's great to be together. I uh, want to thank you so much for tuning in. We have an absolute blast doing this. Hopefully, you have an absolute blast hanging out with us. Come join our Discord. We'd love to have you there. The link's in the show notes. Again, vote for us on the Sports Podcast Awards. Don't forget to subscribe to the show, rate and review it, smash the like button if you're watching. As always, apologies to the lawyer family. Let's go wild cats and until tomorrow. Peace. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 